0: Look out, because we've got a hot one for you today. In this episode, we take you to the outer limits of the powder-coating universe, when we discuss the hidden secrets to hot flocking. We'll rocket to the inner atmosphere of this highly taboo subject and moonwalk through troubleshooting to conquer some bad examples of what can happen when things go wrong. When we reach our destination, we'll arrive on the planet we call Zen. Join us with our very own Major Tom, our in-house powder coater, Ross Scott, as he returns to Earth to share some great tips from the Magic Zone. Welcome to another edition of the Ross Coat Powder Coater Co- Podcast. It, we interview influencers in the industry and cover trending topics to uh, powder coaters so they can effectively learn and grow their business. Today's episode is episode number three, Hidden Secrets to, a, to Proper Hot Flocking. Today, my husband, Ross, is back and giving us his take on hot flocking. We also call it hot coding uh, here in Hawaii. Um, and we're also hopefully going to tease out with him what uh, he calls creating that magic zone when attempting to do this process. But first, we still are having a launch party over here. We're so excited with all the feedback and comments that we've been getting on Reddit. Uh, the podcast page and um, the Facebook groups. Uh, shout out to Chris Small and Jimmy O'Malley. Um, they basically are first time mm-hmm. listeners to even listening to a podcast, and also um, they are. It's they said that uh, Chris said that it was refreshing to hear somebody that didn't learn a course, uh, as he doesn't have any in his country. So uh, thanks, Chris, for that comment. Um, And also we have NGM Codings posted. Thank you for doing this uh, for us new and upcoming coders. I look forward to listening to all the new podcasts or episodes. Thank you, and you're welcome. We're excited to be getting that feedback from you. let us know that we're talking about things you want to hear about. Also, one last shout out to Steve Schilling on the Powder Coater Business Group on Facebook. Uh, yes, we are now on iHeartRadio. Radio. Um, I just uploaded that, so if you don't see us uh, today or tomorrow, just give us give it a few days, and it'll it'll be up there. Um, Also, for those of you that are tuning in regularly, we are now on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and I believe Google Play. So please like, share, and subscribe to our website, uh, HTTPS forward slash forward slash www.rosscoat.com. And just a quick review of the episode uh, one and two. Of course, our first episode was just going and introducing ourselves as the husband and wife team, Ross Coat, uh, where you can learn about why we started the podcast and we talk a little bit about our story. And of course, episode two, which just got released earlier um, uh, this week, uh, was an interview with Ronan from Roro Designs 2, who has inspired us all to create a better customer experience. Now, on to today's guest, Uh, Ross, are you there?
1: Hi, welcome.
0: Hi. So, um, now let's get into this taboo and somewhat controversial subject in powder coating that's discussed in a lot of forums and groups. Um, Can you tell us just in simple words, what is hot flocking um, what is it is it the same as what we call hot coating? You and I call it hot coating. Um, are they the one and the same and what's what is this uh what is hot coating or hot flocking?
1: Hot flocking basically you take your substrate that you're powder coating and you get it up to oven temperature of anywhere between three fifty and four hundred degrees. What is the temperature you're curing it at? Once that part is basically up to that temperature, you pull it out of the oven and you go straight into powder coating. And what happens is because the substrate is at that temperature, the powder immediately flows out over the substrate as it attaches. So it is great that that happens when you have hard to reach areas because it's sticking and flowing out immediately. The downside to that is you can put too much on very easily and you'll get drips and runs.
0: Okay, so um, and so is this why it's so controversial and why do you think industry sources warn against doing this or they don't even address it? I, I'm not even sure if it's in uh, manuals or technical. Stuff at all is
1: it? Have you see, uh, seen it? It is. It is. It is addressed. Uh, they do kind of frown upon it. Uh, I believe that the industry uh, basically says you, if your gun settings are proper, you don't need to do this uh, method, and basically you're not doing it right. Uh, like I said earlier, some parts cannot be coded in the normal fashion. They just they're too recessed and you can't get the powder in there, it's very difficult to do.
0: All right. That sounds simple enough. Um, so when let's talk about you and your technique. When do you use this technique, and what specific parts uh, do you use it for? Or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. What kind of jobs does this I, work best for?
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, hot flocking, I only really do it when I have hard to reach areas on parts. And I can pretty much name them on one hand. It's basically rims, specifically the lug holes. I have a very hard time doing that when they're just normal temperature. So I hot flock the rims always to get the powder into the rim holes. Another uh, situation I have is uh, like custom built uh, fenders those things are extremely difficult Uh, they basically weld the compartments almost closed and they have like a little hole that you have to fit your gun into and it's it's very hard to do that just at room temperature because the powder just doesn't stick in the corners uh, because of the way it's it spins around in there so I always hot flock that Um, there's also lift kits. They have the same type of design like these custom uh, bumpers have. So pretty much those type of three things. I, I always hot flock. Um, However, I don't hot flock the whole part. I just do the trouble problematic areas. And uh, that is my tip that I want to go over
0: okay well before we get into that let's talk about um well i'm going to talk about a very bad example or an example that happened actually just a couple weeks ago um it's always when you're doing things for a friend um that sometimes bad things happen right so um you uh had picked up some fishing pole holders uh, if anybody knows what those are, um, if you fish, uh, especially here out in the ocean, um, people mount or have these uh, fishing poles, holders made out of metal, uh, usually around aluminum, right? Or stainless steel. And they'll they'll mount them to the boat on the top part. And the, you basically set and lock your fishing pole in there so you can... Um, uh, you can, uh, drag your line and do the, um, deeper kind of fishing, I guess. I can't think of the name of it right now, but basically you're just popping the fishing pole in there and you're dragging your boat or dragging the line behind the boat. And, um, so you pick these things up They're, they were a very small job and it was just supposed to be real simple. Uh, but something happened when you were hot coating them. Can you <laughs> tell us what happened?
1: Well, actually, I, I wasn't um, planning. They were brand-new fabrication, and I had uh, just put the primer coat on, and I had flashed it off, and I was actually uh, going to pull them out of the oven and let them cool down. And uh, what happened is the phone rang and (laughs) I got on the phone and I was talking and blah, 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 blah. A few minutes go by and then I get off the phone. I'm like, oh yeah, I still have to do these. And I pull them out of the oven. And I usually let things cool down. I don't always hot flock. And specifically on these, they they didn't really need to be hot flock. Uh, And what happened is exactly what happens when you hot flock, uh, you you I just started doing like my normal procedure and started coating it like two times like I normally do, and even though in a normal situation that's okay, when you hot flock, it is too much powder, and I you know I put them back in the oven and I brought them out after they were done curing and I had all the uh, just drips everywhere. I was just like oh god, you know. Duh. I you know and I knew better and uh, you know one of my my tricks that I do is I let when I pull a part out and I want to coat it now this is what I call hot coating I basically let the part cool down before I put the powder on and I let it get to about 150 to 180 degrees and then I apply the coating as normal you uh, and never have problems with it when I do it that way. But I didn't do that. I went straight to hot flocking and basically put too much powder on and it, it just ran like crazy. And it's really easy to do. You think you you didn't you thought you basically put the right amount on. Okay, it's not gonna it's not gonna run. That was the perfect amount of passes. And then you put it in the oven and it's boom. You're just like, Oh my god, I barely put any on and it's running, you know? So it it's really easy to make that mistake. Uh, And I think it's just because it flows out and it's deceptive on how much you're really putting on. So anyways, that was my uh, problem. And I had to sand all that all out and uh, redo it.
0: Yeah. Uh, This particular piece too, these pieces were angular um, because they had to be mounted at a certain angle in order for the uh, pole to rest easily in the socket. And um, I think angles I think when I've seen you make mistakes like that it, and or you have drips, which is really actually kind of rare uh, these days, but um, it's the angle sometimes because it's hard to, you're either putting it too heavy on one side and not enough on the other. I don't know. It's just, it, it, that also can be problematic, but I'm not the powder coater. You are. Uh, just hear about it later when you're screaming and cursing and all of that fun stuff. So, um, but but before we finish out uh, your magic zone uh, tip, uh, let's talk about more about the troubleshooting um, about hot, hot coding because there's, you know, there's issues, there's things you got to do with your gun settings maybe, or is there a, gr- is it grounding? I, I think you should talk about some of these other preface these other kind of things you have to have just right in order to get that magic zone and get your focus on
1: well right uh obviously the gun settings are very important uh, we want to have uh, the high voltage setting uh now kim you're not going to know much about this but the listeners out there they'll know you'll want your high voltage setting at about 60 uh your current limitation at 40 and uh your powder feed quality—you probably what I, this is key. Actually, is you want to really bring it down, and that's about twenty-seven percent to thirty-five percent, somewhere in there. Um, if you don't have these type of functions on your gun, the main thing I want to describe here is the powder cloud that's coming out of your gun. It needs to be really small. Um, about four inches past the gun nozzle Uh, you want it to be about a two inch no more than three inch diameter cloud and if you keep a real light small cloud it's easy to control the powder as it's going on into deep recessed areas you can sit there like for example on lug holes i will dial that just into those settings that i just said and i'll come right i'll pull the trigger of the gun away from the rim, so I make sure my my cloud is right. And then I come into the lug hole areas, and I, in a circular pattern, I just kind of work it in there, just a couple passes on each hole. And it flows out, and then I step away, let the rim cool. I let the rim cool down to 150, 180 degrees, and then I turn my settings back up and I leave it still at the high voltage setting at 60 and the current limitation at 40, but I bring the powder feed quality up to about 50. And uh, then I get a bigger cloud and I just basically powder coat the whole rim as I normally would, two passes. And I start from the uh, back of the rim uh, where the center bore is and then work to the, uh, the inner lip and then I go to the front of the rim where the center cap would go and work that area and then work the outer lip there and then to the basically hub which is the outside where the tire goes and uh, I finish it up. That's pretty much how I do a rim and I always stay with it like that every time and uh, from there we put the rim in the oven and it depends on what we're doing. If that's the first coat, which is like uh, a primer coat, which is probably the most important coat, believe it or not, because you got to get that wheel protected. We'll just put that in the oven and uh, let it flash off and then continue to the next steps. And I repeat the same process on every coat.
0: So it's almost like a Zen zone. I mean, uh, it's, it's, we called it a magic zone, but I actually kind of want to actually say that it's more like getting into your Zen mode or your focus because, um, this technique is the way it is. And you can easily, you're sort of on a razor's edge. Sometimes you can easily make it, uh, you can easily turn this into a boo-boo on, in any number of distraction or setting issue or grounding issue or whatever. But when you have it right, it's sort of like you're in the zens uh, with uh, you're really super focused on what you're doing and you're not having to redo the piece over and over again. So it's more like, a, do you think patience has a lot to do with it or is patience it just Patience has everything,
1: everything to do with it. You have to uh, uh, slow your roll you know, it, powder coating is a quick process. And uh, basically when I first started doing the, the hot flocking, I, I did have lots of mistakes because I was just trying to do it all at once. And and when I realized, hey, you know, let's just, you know, and then I was always doing it with a high, huge powder cloud. So it was just too much powder getting on there. So uh, once I, you know, it's kind of a common sense thing, hey, let's bring this down. And okay, that's nice. That's working good. Okay. And, uh, well, Hey, let's just, uh, now I got all these problematic areas covered and they're all flowed out. Let's just set the rim out over here on the side here and, uh, let it cool. And that's what I really, I can't stress. It really helps because you're letting that room cool down to, uh, you know, uh, 150, 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Like I said, just take your infrared thermometer and, go to the center bore in the back and when it gets to that temperature basically just start coating again and coat like you normally coat and it's warm it will stick very easily but it's not flowing out on you and it's not going to give you any problems but you've already got your problematic areas out of the way and you're not going to have any problems it's going to look great so uh that's kind of my tip and I I really, it works for me. And I, I hope it, uh, if these guys out there, they're having a hard time uh, hot flocking, I hope you try it out and uh, it works really good. Uh, there's a lot of guys I see, like on YouTube, they actually uh, hot flock the whole rim, and they just bring their powder cloud down and just go over it real slow. And they know that they can only put so much on and, You know, it's a gamble and, you know, you just basically put it in the oven and go. But if you've done it a lot, uh, you you can do it that way all the time. But uh, I don't do rims every day. You know, I do uh, lots of stuff and, you know, railings, gates, you know, you name it. I've done it. And uh, so when I get a set of rims, it's like I have to slow down. I have to slow down what I'm doing because, you know, everybody that wants their rim wants it perfect. And. And hot flocking actually is a little secret that I do to get it all in the the corners and the crevices because if you don't do it, it it's so easy to have it too thin. And then if you you know, and then if you do hot flock and you do it the whole rim hot flock, it's really easy to get a mistake and then you're redoing the whole thing. So you know, I just think it's real important to stress you know, get your powder cloud down, you know, let it flow out in the problematic areas, and then from there, set the rim down on the side let it cool down, or whatever kind of piece you're doing, and and then continue your, your, your coating as you normally would proceed, and uh, of course, bring your powder cloud back up when you're doing that, and uh, uh, it goes real smooth, and you always have a consistent, perfect coating, and that's what I
0: like. Okay, well, let's talk for a minute about um, how you're hanging the rims, because I've seen you especially with some of the problematic older rims that are pitted uh, where you have to build up the surface uh, with primers and stuff like that. And I, you and I talked about an example uh, prior to the podcast that um, you know, it's like when you've got really bad Chrome rims that you're trying to restore. Uh, Can you, can you give that example? Because I think that's another, uh, sort of deeper layer into this hot flocking um especially since so many powder coaters do a lot of rims
1: well yeah if you get a rim that's um like chrome and it's it's totally uh, been electrolysized underneath the chrome and you blast that away and then you have all these just pitted it's like a hammer tone finish almost it's just totally dents and pits from where there used to be aluminum basically from being eaten away and you blast that away and now you're going to like how do i make this look smooth again and one of this is a good hot flocking uh, exercise here so uh and i normally do rims i hang them uh, through the valve stem and but in this situation i hang them through the lug nut holes and i do this with the uh, a bunch of C hooks, uh, six-inch uh, quarter-diameter C hooks. I use three of them, and I basically look like a, a, a almost like a Y. Uh, you know, one through one hole, and then the other two holes. And uh, use the one sixteenth, excuse me, a sixteen-gauge wire, and then I go to one uh, major C hook to hang it on. And basically, you hang it in that instead of a a vertical position, it's in a horizontal position. So, when the rim's hot and you bring it out of the oven, and you got l- lots of like just massive indentations from from where the corrosion was, it's really easy in this position to put it on hot flock it and build it up. Especially with a primer, um, you can get that all built up, and it won't run and drip because of the way it's being held. And I only do this in the the area that is bad. I hot flock the only the area that's bad and it's because it's like a bowl and because it's like a bowl there's nowhere else for the powder to go and it just builds up and then you can basically get all those dimps and dibbles um, smoothed out uh it, with just a basic light sanding and then go to your uh your color coat from there
0: okay um also now talk just a minute for uh, how you normally like if you just have a regular set of rims that are in pretty good shape uh, you 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 have a a unique way to get good grounding. I I would wonder if you could share that with the audience, um, just in case those that are kind of new to this uh, could use this really helpful tip.
1: Right. Okay. So uh, I use uh, five sixteenths, basically regular, a nut that's about uh, three quarters of an inch long. Uh, excuse me, bolt, and then I have the five nut. It's a just basic nut, no lock washer or anything like that, or locking nut. It's just a regular nut. And I basically put that through the valve stem. That will fit through 90% of the valve stems and it fits nice so it's it's tight and there's no slop. And uh, what I really like about this method is when you take the wire and come around the backside of the valve stem, where the hub is, and I put my wire around it and then I basically tighten the bolt, the nut down onto the bolt and it snitches that wire right up to the rim. And it's going to be like that throughout the whole coating process. And so you'll always have a great ground. I mean, it's just, it is on there. And I have found that, you know, you, by doing it that way, you're you're basically taking grounding problems totally out of the loop. And of course I also do some other, tricks in my shop as far as grounding um, we have a metal building so i ground to the main stud of the building that goes into the ground and then i go from there to my gun and from there it goes to the booth and also the part so i do a y there so i'm directly connected to the part i actually connect it right to the seek hook at the very top and I never have a grounding issue ever. And that seems to really work
0: well. Well, that sounds like a great tip. Um, of course, I don't powder coat, but I do hear you all the time. And and you have crafted this um, advice and methodology over the course of your powder coating career and Uh, not only that, but with the satisfied customers that we have. Um, And you're also a super perfectionist too, uh, almost to a fault sometimes, because a lot of times I'm like, it's good enough. Just get it out, right? You know, because, and this will be something that is going to be coming up in an an upcoming episode uh, with a special guest that I'm invited over to talk about pricing, costing uh, issues, You know, and one of the topics I want to say is how good is good enough. And, you know, can it sometimes you and I get into a tussle about the price that we're charging versus uh, what um, what level of perfection, you know, uh, they're going to get so. That's for another episode, but I think it's an important one to cover uh, and it'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. We also just wanna preface this by saying that, you know, this is how we do it. We are not learn school. You might've learned something different from someone else and we're all here to learn and um, and learn from each other too as well. So that's the reason for the podcast and for getting this information out to you guys. Um, You should always, always um, reference or read up your powder coating manuals, your tech manuals, your equipment manuals, and pay attention to how you learn um, because it is a methodology. Um, We're just here to not spill the secrets or share too much or whatever. It's just that we feel like you know, people need to know more and there's just too much disinformation out there that we're trying to uh, maybe clear the air, cl- clear the powder coat, uh, the powder coating cloud that comes out of <laughs> the gun, some so to speak. Um, one last thing, you know, and I don't know if we want to just, because we've talked about a lot of things here and I don't want to have people spinning and questioning, but they can always go over the podcast again if they want to hear it. But um you talk about this sweet spot or the passes uh you talked about that earlier especially with rims and the degrees or sort of the temperature could you just like maybe you know go over that one more time um just as a final wrap up to this podcast um about your way and why you do three passes maybe um yeah uh, yeah
1: sure what I do is, like I said earlier, after I'm done with the hot locking, I basically let the piece cool down. Uh, the reason I do that is because I don't want to have any drips or runs, and if I let it cool down to 150, 180 degrees, it not only adheres properly uh, with normal um, settings, it basically Allows you to lay it up, and I do two runs, just two passes. And you know, I don't go real slow, but I don't go real fast. It's just a, uh, you know, everybody has their own speed, and I work in circular motions generally with the rims. Uh, so that's what I like to do. It works for me, and I never have problems. And I always people always comment, "Man, how you get this so perfect and glossy?" And I go, "It's just two quick passes." and the key is I do it at 150 to 180 degrees, because the powder's sticking to the rim. It's not, you know, flunging around in the air. It is attaching to the rim, and and that's what's really neat about the hot coating aspect of it that sweet zone of 150 to 180 degrees uh it, it it makes it super simple i do that on gates and railings too uh when we're doing big runs because if it's a little if the part's warm like that it just makes it easy and you can just fly through it real quick and you know everything's attaching and you're done you just put that sucker back in the oven and let it go uh, i had one more thing to say about the rims um and how to hang them. Uh, There's another way too, also uh, with like German rims, specifically BMW, Audi, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Those uh, valve stem holes are really deep on those. And it's hard to find something to go through there and hold it. And what I have used is a 3 washer and the 3 diameter hole is perfect for running a 16th gauge wire through and basically you put that through the valve stem hole there and the washer will hold it no problem and you don't get like these lines and marks in the 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 well of the uh, valve stem hole and you get a nice perfect uh, ground because it's nice and it's pulled up tight. Now, granted, it's not as good as the, uh, the the washer and nut method, but I mean, I can't find a good washer and nut to fit in there uh, for the life of me. So that's what I've been using is a three washer on those German style rims. And uh, don't forget to put those in the B-17 for the half a day. <laughs> yeah. Right, that one. <laughs>
0: Well, that's been awesome, Ross. And I thank you for joining me again today from the dining room table. I uh, appreciate it. Um, and uh, we also like to thank our support, uh, supportive followers and fellow powder coders out, out there. I hope you've learned something new about powder coating in your business. Please comment below, follow, share the podcast Uh, If you have a topic you'd like to discuss, just email us at info at MauiPowderWorks.com or message us on Facebook. Until then, we'll see you soon.